It's trade season, so you know what that means. Vladislav Gavrikov, come on down. You're the next player to be scratched for trade-related reasons. So that we're gonna we're gonna trademark that. TRR. That's what we're gonna call it from now on. TRR. Trade-related reasons. And like I mentioned, Vladislav Gavrikov, defensive for the Columbus Blue Jackets, is the latest that will be scratched for that. And and we'll talk to Elliot Freeman about that in just a couple of minutes when he joins us. He had a great idea. And I'm not going to spoil it yet. I'll let him explain what his wonderful idea was for Gavrikov as it pertains to a potential Jacob Chikrin trade. More on that in a bit. Um, The Capitals announced that Alex Ovechkin will be away from the team to attend to a family matter. So we wish him all the best. Uh, Caps coach Peter Laviolette said he does not expect him back this week. Now on the ice last night, the Calgary Flames needed that win. And they didn't get it. And thanks in large part to Tim Stutzla, who was fantastic. Four points last night, including the OT winner. And when you look back on the 2020 draft, there was some talk about the Kings taking Tim Stutzla ahead of of Quinton Byfield. And, and obviously the Kings ended up taking Byfield. But there was also the thought that Tim Stutzla was going to be the best player out of this draft. That Ottawa got a steal at number three. And if last night was any indication of that, Tim Stutzel's already there. We've seen the development kind of tumble a little bit for Alexei Lafreniere. We've seen Quentin Byfield. You know, he got hurt. Then he was in Ontario uh, with the rain, and then he got called back up. But Tim Stutzla is already just one point away from tying his career high, which he set last year in 79 games. He's at 57 points this season. Tim Stutzla looks like the player that we thought he was going to be. Now, on that overtime goal, I mean, you could make the argument that Jacob Markstrom probably should have had that one. What do we always say? The worst thing that you can hear for from anybody who talks about the sport to a goalie is probably should have had that one. That really felt like one that Jacob Markstrom probably wants back. I was writing my notes last night and I was saying, you know, through basically a period and a half, almost two periods, this was the perfect game for Jacob Markstrom. It was a game where he didn't have a ton of shots because he didn't. At one point, I think it was three quarters of the way through the second that the Flames were out shooting the Senators by like 10 10 to nothing. At that point, I believe he had only had five or six shots against him. And then late in the third period happens. Ottawa did score first in the game. And then the Flames just collapse in a game that you should have. Ottawa's not playing for much right now. They've got their third string goalie in, Mad Sogard, who was great, by the way, last night. 34 saves in the victory. But that's a game if you're the Calgary Flames that you need two points from. I get it. You get one and and you're only half disappointed. But listen, two was in within your grasp there. And now, you know, you have questions about what are the Calgary Flames as we get closer to the deadline? What kind of moves is Brad Treliving going to make? And the idea of adding another score keeps coming up, which I'm fine with. But does adding another score matter if you're not getting the saves that you need? Like Jacob Markstrom does not look like the same goalie that we saw last year, who was by large margin the second best goalie in the league last year. Second best to Igor Shosturkin, who was fantastic. But nonetheless, it's not as if Jacob Markstrom just forgot how to play goal. 
it's a really touchy subject in Calgary right now, the goaltending situation. And if they want to push in the chips in what is a Western conference that does kind of feel like it's up for grabs, specifically the Pacific division that feels like it's up for grabs, you know, Vegas has their issue in net with Logan Thompson out Edmonton's goaltending issues. We've seen over the course of the year. Yes. Jack Campbell's played better of late, but they've had their issues and Seattle has their own issues in goal. They're a very good team in front of goal, but once you get to Philip Grubauer and Martin Jones leaves a little bit to be desired there. So there are a lot of questions as it pertains to the Calgary flames, many of which surround what the heck do they do at the trade deadline, are they going to be in a position where they can go out and, and make a big ad like a Timo Meyer? Is the is the ownership willing to have their GM who is without a contract push in the chips so that this team can make some sort of a playoff run? Can this team make a playoff run with the goaltending that they've gotten? I don't know if we are there with the Calgary Flames just yet. I really, really don't know. Be really curious to see what Brad Treliving has up his sleeve. Because if there is one thing that we do know about Brad Treliving, he is not shy about making a big splash. We saw it this summer. Brad Treliving, he's a gunslinger. And I fully expect that he is in conversations to add maybe a big piece, but certainly add around the periphery if that is the absolute least that he does. Matt Marchese filling in for Jeff Merrick, who's on assignment. Let's get the Jeff Merrick Show started right now. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Elliot Friedman joining me here in a couple of seconds. Later on in the show, we'll be joined by Derek Wills to talk about those Calgary Flames. He is the play-by-play voice. Scott Lachlan of the Morning Skate on NHL Network Radio will also join me and Eric Erlinson from lightninginsider.com. Um, it's almost too quiet surrounding the Tampa Bay Lightning, so we'll get Eric's thoughts on what they might do around trade deadline. And uh, bringing in Elliot Friedman here from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. Breach, I will say this. I don't like to give you credit for a lot of things, but your tweet today about the Blue Jackets and Gavrikov as it pertains to a potential... Jacob Chikrin trade was very interesting. Care to elaborate, sir? Well, first of all, I know how hard it is to impress you, Matt. So <laughs> I, I feel a great like the day is not even half over. Well, I guess technically it is half over, and I've already accomplished everything that I need to do. <laughs> well, good, good. So okay, well, so-, so basically, this is you know, as we know, the as we know, the the Arizona Coyotes are holding. Jacob Chickard out until something happens. And today, the Columbus Blue Jackets announced they're going to hold out Vladislav Gavrikov for trade-related reasons. And I have wondered here about, like, I think like a lot of people, we believe that the front runner for Chickard was Los Angeles. But now that we're, you know, three days since this happened, and again, these are things that could happen at any time. You, you never know what can happen at any time. Um, but the fact it hasn't happened yet with L.A., and I've heard there's been some kind of snag hold up, it says to me that there's room for other teams if they're interested to get in here. And Columbus has been interested in Chickering for some time. They do like him. 
And I think one of the things that Columbus likes about him, aside from the fact that him as a player, he's had a good year, is the fact that he's signed for term. And I think that Columbus has tried to suspend Gavrikov this year. He said no. Uh, he's going to be traded. You, they think they're going to get a decent return, similar to what they got for David Savard, first and third, and I do think that's possible. I'm just wondering if what Columbus does is say, we trade Gavrikov, we get our return, and with everything they have, and obviously they're not trading this year's number one, but they have a lot of picks, they have a lot of prospects, they'll add to it with their Gavrikov return. They use all of that to make a run of chicken. Now, as some people pointed out, I'm not sure that's going to be make chicken incredibly thrilled because he wants to go to a winner. But what this is going to be about is accelerating Columbus and Rebus. And so I do think there's a possibility. I mean, I'm not saying that'll happen, but I do think that is something Columbus is considering. So... If the okay, so I I'm fully on board with that. So I guess I guess my question is, do you believe that the a potential deal with LA was near the finish line, couldn't get done, and then other teams went, okay, hold on a second, time for us to push our chips in here. I'm not sure it was near the finish line. I I think they were talking. I think they were serious. I do believe that other teams uh, felt that the Kings were 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 the team to beat and that the Kings and the Coyotes were talking very seriously. But as I said on the pod, I think there was a contract there that became a problem. And uh, I and, and I think that that kind of... like I don't think it was ever as close on the weekend as we thought. And I had people who told me it's not that close. And obviously they were right. Um, but I, I do think those two teams have been trying... I still do think it could happen, but I, th- I don't think it was ever as close as we thought, and I think there was a snag on all the contracts that were going to be escaped. And I do think there's other teams now who think that this is not a guarantee for L.A., although it still could happen with them. You know, I think the thing that really threw us, Matt, and this is going to be an interesting one for everyone to deal with, in the past, the NHL has not had a problem with holding players out as long as they were legitimately about to be traded. Now, usually, like I remember when Matt Zuccarello was held out by the, by the New York Rangers, I think he was gone the next day. Um, you know, Ilya Lubushkin was held out last year by Arizona. He was gone that night. Like, I, I think it was, it was a situation where players were being held out because they were about to go. Now we've got a situation where... Chikrin is held out now twice, and we know, based on the words of Andre Turinier, that he's not going to play until it's done. We'll see where we go with Gavrikov. It's at least one game. Now, how's the league going to feel about this? How's the Players Association going to feel about this? The one thing I think in Chikrin's case is that I think the player understands this because the injury means he doesn't get dealt right now. And I think he understands that and respects it. But if a player ever has a problem with it, uh, or the league ever has a problem with it, well, we'll see where all this goes. Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts joining Matt Marchese here on the Jeff Merrick Show. Okay, so yesterday's bit of news that was, I I thought was, uh, it was very curious to me. I wanted to get your take on it. Was Spencer Martin on waivers? And, and he backed up last night 
Um, one of two things. One, are you surprised that it was Martin that ended up getting waived? And does that mean we should expect Thatcher Demko to be back sooner rather than later? Yes, I, I do think Demko is getting close. I think it. I, I saw some reports out there. It's likely this weekend, but yes, uh, I do think that Demko is uh, someone that they is someone who is on the horizon. Uh, you know, I, unfortunately, you know, Spencer Martin is a great story. Um, I'm a I, I'm a big fan of his path. It's just unfortunate the results haven't been there, right? And uh, that's kind of what you're seeing here. Excuse me. That's kind of what you're seeing here, Matt. Is uh, just the results haven't been there, so they're they're making the change. And as you said, Demko's getting excuse me, sneeze attack. Demko's getting close. Okay, and on Vancouver, um, listen, Luke Shen's been asked about being potentially moved, and we think that that Luke Shen is is going to be moved because of the price that teams are willing to pay for a defenseman like that. Is he the next guy, do you think, that gets moved for Vancouver? Or is there, I know the Besser contract may complicate things with certain teams that might be interested, but could there, could there be, I guess what I'm asking is, could there be a surprise in Vancouver? Somebody that we thought wasn't going to be available that now all of a sudden is? Or do you think it's basically everyone aside from Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson are available? I think that's pretty much it, uh, Matt. I think, look, I think we all know. I think we all know it's not going to be Pedersen. I think that uh, we know it's extremely unlikely, if not impossible, it's going to be Hughes. And then everybody else, everybody else they're willing to take a look at. And I think that's just kind of where we are right now. And if you are, if you're serious about anyone, Call the Canucks and they'll listen to what you have to say. Okay. Um, okay, let's stick in the Pacific Division because uh, Logan Thompson's going to be out week to week. They already are without um, Mark Stone in Vegas. How much does the Thompson injury maybe change their plans? Or do they do they believe that their tandem now of Aiden Hill and Lauren Brossois is enough to to get them over the hump here and get into the playoffs. Like, did that change their mindset at all? Because whenever we think Vegas, we we think big game hunting, right? Well, I think this. I think they were pretty honest about Stone. They said it's going to be a, a while until he comes back. Like, they have to go into the deep end of the playoffs, it sounds like, for him to be even a, a player. And then when they were asked him, about Thompson, they were asked about Thompson, they simply said, we think he's going to be back in the regular season. So I don't think those two things are comparable. And, you know, if you're... I don't think it makes sense right now. I get the impression from the Golden Knights that they're going to go with these two guys for as long as they can. And the other thing, too, is I think if they're going to add big, it's going to be up front. Like, I think even before Stone got hurt, I think they were looking at some of the St. Louis guys, like Barbashev, like Achari. I think they were looking at JVR. Um, and now, with Stone, because he's not going to be back in the regular season, you know, you can, you can take a look at something bigger, whether it's a Ryan O'Reilly or potentially a Patrick Kane or something like that. Um, you know, I expect them to be aggressive because when they decide they want something, they are. That's kind of built into their DNA. 
And also, after everything they went through last year, I just think that they look at it and they go out there and they say, you know what, we're, we're not missing the playoffs again. So I don't think they're going to be reckless, but I think they're going to be aggressive. Oh, man, I love it when Vegas is reckless. Oh, okay, speaking of reckless, you mentioned Patrick Kane there. So everybody keeps talking about Eric Carlson and the Oilers. This is maybe real pie in the sky, um, but instead of the Oilers trying to add a defenseman, could they do the crazy irresponsible thing and go and try and trade for a guy like Patrick Kane? Sorry, which team are you talking Ed- about? Edmonton. 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 Oh, sorry. Well, I think Edmonton's a team that's had interesting teams before, but here's the problem as I see it. What's the fit? Is that what Edmonton needs? Number one, and also two, like if you if you're acquiring Patrick Kings, you're looking at him to be a factor on the power play, and look how good Edmonton's power play already is. Is that what you need? Like I think Edmonton's looking for a D, a puck mover, and I think they're also looking for a. I think they're also looking for like a Tyler Bertuzzi type forward. I don't know if it's going to be Bertuzzi. Uh, but I think that's the kind of player. The other two is just King going to want to go to Edmonton. I think that I think all of that is a factor. I'm just not sure if that's the move that makes the most sense for the Oilers. Oh, it makes absolutely zero sense, Elliot. But I'm trying to cheer for chaos here. I think that that would be the most irresponsible thing in the world to trade for Patrick Kane. But on the flip side, would be the most fun thing to watch Patrick Kane and Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Like I'm being very selfish here, Elliot. Well, I like I, I've known that about you that that's your DNA, but that's okay. Like I think it's okay as a media member to <laughs> root for chaos. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely the way to go. Okay, a um, couple of other things here. So, the the Toronto Maple Leafs they they haven't played um, since Saturday night. It was a loss to Columbus, and they don't play, uh, I believe, for a day or two, and. Everything that I keep thinking about when it, as it pertains to the Leafs is it's too quiet and they're generally quiet there, but Kyle Dubas doesn't have a deal going into next season. And like Jeff, yep. Jeff mentioned on this show, he doesn't have the big trade on his resume. Could, could this be the year because he's downplaying everything that they really go out and try and make a splash to try and make a deep run here, not only to save uh, you know, help save some face with this franchise, but also save his job. I don't think he thinks like that. Um, and the other thing too is, I think when you're going out there and you say, "I got to make a big trade to save my job," a lot of those things blow up in your face like a grade ten chemistry experiment. Such a terrible way to make trades, like just stop. And uh, so I think that the reason I think he's going to try something big. Is because he's got a good team. You look at it right now on this day. And by the way, Marchese, you got to know when each Canadian team's next game is. It's tomorrow against Chicago, and it's on our station. I was half right. I was half right. I said today, tomorrow, or or Thursday. So no, like that is embarrassing behavior. I'm very disappointed in you. I have to say. Anyway, (laughs) um, you look at the Leafs five points percentage. They've got a 657 points percentage. They're the fifth best team in the league. Okay? What's the problem? That in their division, they've got the number one team 
and they've got the number four team, and they're going to play the number four team in the first round of the playoffs. I think what I think is you take your chances when your team is good. Their team is good. They're really good. And I think a lot of us would say this year, when their goaltenders were hurt and their defense was really banged up, they did a lot better than a lot of us expected. So that's why you have to take your chance. You, you have to be able to say, we are trying. Uh, you have to go for it when your team has shown that it deserves you to go for it. And this team has done it. And, you know, do I think he's going to try to take a big swing? Yeah, I do. Am I guaranteeing he's going to do it? No, I, but I think he's going to try. And I do think at this point in time, one of the things he's kind of looked at is that it might be more important for them to get a forward than a D. I, I do think he's looking into that right now. What, what do you, because the guy that keeps coming up in the conversation, and for obvious reasons, he's been talked about ad nauseum as the Leafs' top prospect. What do you believe the perception is about Matthew Nye's around the league like do you think that that this is all just smoke that people are just blustering around blustering around over here or do you believe that among hockey circles specifically nhl management circles that matthew nyes is as highly thought of as maybe the leafs think he is i I think he's pretty highly respected i don't know how much expectation there is for him to come in right away and be a difference maker but I think a lot of people, when you look at where he was taken in the draft, I think a lot of people credit the Maple Leafs for getting a steal of a player. Like, they jumped in when the kid was having a down year, and he was down a lot of draft boards, and they took the gamble, and it looks like a winning gamble. And a lot of people think he's going to be a very good player. I just don't know if he's going to be a good enough player right now to usually make a difference. I think he's good. But you're stepping in on a team that's trying to win the Stanley Cup, right? And I don't know if he's ready for that yet. Okay, uh, the Ottawa Senators' potential sale. So it seems as though uh, Ryan Reynolds has decided which group that he is going to team up with. Does that? Yep. How does that affect these types of negotiations? Or does it affect them at all? We know that the NHL wants him involved, and for obvious reasons, it would be great for the league. But how much does that affect everything else that goes on with the sale of this franchise? Uh, I got to tell you that uh, I, the, the one thing is I'm a little bit surprised. I'm surprised because I think Ryan Reynolds had the pick of wherever he wanted to go, right? Like any one of those partners is going to want. Now, the, the, the company that owns the group that he joined is the Braddy family. Um, they are very powerful family in real estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the patriarch, Rudy, he's a lawyer, and he's very successful in real estate. Uh, they've been around for a long time. Uh, anybody in the development business knows them. In hockey circles, they're pretty interesting. They took a big run at the Coyotes a few years ago, but then backed away. Like The league thought they were serious, and then they, and then they backed away. And so I remember at the time people telling me, we don't know exactly what we're dealing with here in the sense that they sounded really serious and then didn't do it. The other thing, too, is you'll remember a few years ago, there was an attempt to build a rink in Markham, mm-hmm. and they were at the forefront of it, and I think it was eventually voted down because it was supposed to be almost all public money. I have to remember exactly what it was, but somebody reminded me of that just right before the hit. 
So they've been around the NHL before in a peripheral way. They've shown some interest. Um, here, I wouldn't say they're one of the favorites. I, I think you always have to take them seriously because of who they are and what they've accomplished in their lives. Um, but I don't know that I would say they're one of the favorites. The other thing I think a lot of people are kind of wondering here is what deal they offered Ryan Reynolds that he would link up. Because I, I think in a lot of these cases, you know, people are very careful about if you want to buy in, you've really got to buy in. Like, um, like if you take a look at, and I've mentioned this before, the Kraken, they have Marshawn Lynch and McLemore as part of their ownership group. And those guys had to buy in. Like, they weren't given pieces. So I think one of the things people are kind of wondering here is what kind of deal was offered to Reynolds that he would commit right away to a group that's not considered the front runners. So, like, if, and again, I wouldn't discount the Braddy family in any way, shape, or form. You'd be a fool to do that. But it does seem to be a little interesting to some of the potential buyers here. Like, what... What kind of deal was he offered just to commit yes right now? What do you think the timeline is on all of this? Like, obviously, the, the family is, the Melnick family is not in a rush to sell this thing. They want to get the best possible deal in place. And with that all being said, how, how does that affect what this front office does as well? Like you mentioned, the the Brinkett situation where they may wait until the ownership uh, decision is settled um, are there any other decisions that are looming for this group that you think might have to wait uh, for approval from above the the front office? Well, I think the only thing is if you're adding money. Like if you're if you're revenue neutral, I don't think it matters. I just think it comes down to are you adding anything? Like it doesn't look like they're extending Cam Talbot, so um, that's not a big deal at all. I think the only thing would be if you either like a debrinket, like you're adding a big number like that because that's going to be a massive contract, or you're adding somebody with term. I think those would be the only questions that you would have. And and timeline, do you think that there is a, like this is done by, you know, the end of the season, the summer, like before think, well, next it, season? Well, yeah, it has to be because you've got to deal with nailing down the arena, right? Mm-hmm. And that has a window to it. So, yes, I think this is all going to be about making sure you know you can get the arena. Okay, on to uh, another money issue. And this is a conversation that you and I had last week. Um, Bally Sports, sounds like the Sinclair, uh, sounds like Sinclair is the parent company of Bally Sports, is going to file bankruptcy uh, this week or next week. Do we have any more yeah. clarity on the situation, kind of where things go? Like, did, did has anybody, I guess the question is, has anybody figured anything out at this point about what this means for the NHL? No, I, I don't. I think they're all coming up with alternate plans as to what they may have to do, but I don't think anybody knows yet. Like, I think one of the things is everyone's trying to figure out is, is, is Bally, Diamond, Sinclair, are they going to try to keep some rights and just dispose of others, what they're going to do. But I think there's a lot of – it's like a duck, right, Matt? It looks very calm on the surface, but there's a lot of paddling underneath it. And, and with that being said, how much do you believe that the NHL is talking with other sports entities about 
this like the whether it be major league baseball or 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 the the nba like are these conversations that they're maybe they come up with stuff together or they're just bouncing ideas off of each other like how do you think that's working i think there's a lot of conversation in these kinds of situations information is power what do you know what do you hear I, i think they talk about it quite a bit yeah, it's an unprecedented situation. And I know that Major League Baseball has said like they do have a plan in place to get games to um, their these fan bases that may be without. Um, do you think that the NHL has at least some idea of a framework in place to, to distribute these games? Or do you think they're still working on that? I don't have a good answer for you. Like, like Batman was actually pretty forthright uh, at the... Uh, um, at the all-star game that he knew it was an issue and, uh, and it was something that they were looking into. Um, like I, I don't, I, but I don't have a good answer as to what it is. I really don't. Okay. All right. Well, with that, we will let you go, Elliot. Be sure to say hi to the regular host of this program when you see him today and tell him that he is missed. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm going to completely ignore him. As, as you should. Thank you, Elliot. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you next Sorry day. Sorry about the sneeze attacker. Oh, I don't know what that oh, don't worry. I, I'm sure one is awaiting me before the end of this show as well. All right. Take care, my man. All right. Enjoy. There he goes. Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. When we come back, a missed opportunity for the Calgary Flames. You had two points in the bag and then late in the third period, happened and Tim Stutzla happened actually Derek Wills Calgary Flames play-by-play voice will join Matt Marchese on the Jeff Merrick show uh, when we come back after the break